You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. And this week is week two of A Very Busy Christmas. Hooray. Matt, what's our our second tape on this? Second tape is one that I gifted upon you, and it is Predator 2. Los Angeles, 1997. It's the hottest summer on record. Pollution is choking the city. The gangs control the streets. It has not been a nice day! As bad as things are, they're about to get worse. Much worse. Whoever killed him is gonna pay. I'm gonna finish it. It has almost no weight. But it cuts like steel. Incredible. Whoever did this took out four men armed with machine guns by hand. You don't know what you're dealing with. Other world life forms drawn by heat and conflict. He's on safari. Lions. Tigers. The bears. Oh my. Danny Glover, Gary Busey, Ruben Blades, Maria Conchita Alonso, Bill Paxton. Predator 2. He's in town with a few days to kill this Thanksgiving. That's my sign effect for a, uh, a shield, uh, bending lights. Yeah. That's the best I got. Perfect. It's exactly like they are in the film. Or how about pew, 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 pew. Yes. That's his lasers. Screen accurate. <laughs> yes. Predator 2, the often talked about, rarely understood sequel to the classic original. <laughs> oh, man. I remember way back in the day when I found out this came out. So we were huge Predator fans, my brothers and I, watched it all the time, and of course, we would have been interested in a sequel. The problem was, we didn't even know it existed. So one day, we were just cruising the action aisle, and I found this, and I was like, Predator 2? Wait, Arnold's Predator? So we grabbed the tape, we ran it up to the guy, and he's like, yeah, this is the sequel, and it sucks. (laughs) All of us, like... Can you imagine kids, you know, just like, oh. Yeah, like your all your hopes and dreams for your life have been dashed because you just were so excited that you found out that there was more of the thing you loved. And then some adult is just like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Way to just, take a dump on everything you love. <laughs> like some 17 or 18-year-old Todd was such a douche. <laughs> uh, but when you look at this tape, it does not scream Predator. The back of it does. Yeah. But not the front. And I mean, obviously, you're going to break it down in a bit. 
but I'm just telling you, I'm going to want want on it. <laughs> yeah, um, my, my sort of history of this one is just that they've always kind of come in tandem with me. I feel like I discovered Predator not early, but not late. You know, I was probably like six or seven. You know, I was young, but I was like super into movies. So it was kind of late for me, actually, to kind of come into it. And I knew there were two of them um, just because I think they ran them on, uh, you know, whatever equivalent of the sci-fi channel there was back then. You know, they always ran them back to back. Or maybe this was even HBO at this time. I don't know. Um, But they were always, I knew there was two. So I kind of saw them both together. And uh, it's almost like I forget that I've seen this one every time I watch this one. (laughs) Yeah, every time I, I don't watch this one a lot. And it's not because I call it the black sheep of the entire franchise. It's just... I don't get excited for the characters in it. Like, Danny Glover to me, I'm like, ah, ah. I like Danny Glover. I don't like him as the leading man. I like Lethal Weapon Danny Glover. Yeah. Not, like, just straight man, blank slate Danny Glover. Like, I like, you know, I like Danny Glover having fun. Danny Glover doesn't know really what to do here. He seems as confused as us watching it. Yes, now I probably I probably have seen this movie a ton of times, but now nowadays I feel like whenever I watch the Predator movies, I just kind of watch them all. I just kind of marathon the three, you know, like that's just kind of how I watch. They come in a they come in a set now <laughs> for me, so I do watch and I have this one on the uh, two disc. Um, what was it? The twentieth anniversary of the original. They put out like a two disc of the original and this one. I have that DVD. So, like, I've explored the bonus features and things like that. I've seen this movie. I've seen it a few times. It's part of it's part of my film watching pretty regularly because of when I marathon it. But, like, I don't know what to... I don't even know where to begin with this thing. <laughs> yeah, I have this on DVD as well. I have it in the Predator Pack, which came out a couple years after Predator's um and it's got all three with all the bonuses that they could throw in there which is is great i'm glad fox did that they could have just put three on there in the dvd pack and just said they'll buy it yeah which i'm sure that's what they're doing now because special features aren't special anymore i guess no i mean it probably costs a lot of money sometimes to put some of this on there but anyway let's get into the box art of this yeah so your the front of your cover it, it's cool, but it's uh, I'm not really sure what the choice was here. It's basically a giant purple sky that is three quarters of the image. And it's just an ominous purple sky with like a haze over a city that is just kind of in the right, not corner, but like if you were to go from the corner to the uh, uh, one third mark of the tape, it's like down there. And that's it. And it just says Predator 2. Uh, silent, invisible, invincible. He's coming to your to. He's coming to town with a few days to kill. Yeah, I'll put the actual box art on our Geekscape page that we'll show on this. It looks like you know the environment's attacking us. This looks like oh, a climate change. Yeah, uh, like a climate change documentary. If you if you just put your thumb over Predator Two title and showed this to someone, they'd be like, oh, it's climate change. Yeah, it's yeah. It almost looks like smog over the city and a haze. I don't know. 
I I like it knowing it's Predator 2. Like, I agree with you. If it's covered up, yeah, you have no idea what this is for. I like it for Predator 2 if it's a teaser poster. If this came out, like, two years before the actual movie dropped, uh, and you saw this in a theater, and it was just this, I'd be, like, so hyped. I'd be like, fuck yeah, we're getting a new Predator movie. We don't know too much about it. He's coming to the city. Cool. But by the time you get to the VHS, you need to just show me the Predator or, like, the the beefy, like dudes in the movie with guns you know something that is very predator there's nothing here this is a great teaser poster but it doesn't work for a vhs in my opinion this one i never noticed as a kid and and we were constantly in the video store that's how little this like actually attracted us because you know as a kid if you maybe saw this you'd be like predator you know uh, what is that because like i don't remember as a kid it wasn't Predator to me. It was Arnold Schwarzenegger Predator. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to explain this. Yeah. No, I get it. It didn't become Predator until Predator 2. Yeah. And, like, this is a really odd way, but we never referred to it as just the Predator. Yeah, I mean, jumping jumping kind of on that, I, I feel like with, like, my, when I just think of Predator in general, and not thinking of the movies, but just thinking of the brand, I guess, yeah. in general, where I think of the lunchboxes and the toys and everything like that that has come since. This look, though, is what I think of. I think of purples. I think of this green, you know, logo that they have. This is very much like the toy, the Kenner toys that came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. Well, that's so, a good like, point. So, that's what I think. The, the branding is what kind of what I think of, but yeah, not... This doesn't convey anything that's happening in the movie, but I guess I get the brand of it from this movie. So I guess a a smarter way to say it was, the first one was branded as Alpha Men versus a Predator. It was Arnold Schwarzenegger as the branding. And then the second one came out and you're like, oh, this is actually more about the Predator alien and his culture. Yes, this was its own branding. Yes. Like this was the Predator taking its own franchise then. Yeah, and, you know, it didn't do well in theaters. It probably did decent on tape, but I don't know if it did because it took, you know, a new Predator movie didn't come out till what, AVP? Yeah, that was the next time. We, that took 14 years for us to see Predators on yes. the big screen again. So it was I, another I, massive uh, fucking disappointment. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Fox after this one's just like, okay, this is dead. <laughs> okay, I think the dog's done barking. Nope. nope. Parfait is, oh God, do you think a predator's coming in right now? He's going to kill us for shitting on the movie. No, maybe. Well, either way, I'd like to die like that. <laughs> die by predator. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we let's, let's talk, I guess, about the back of this movie because this is the only thing that is very predator. Yes. <laughs> this is, you have to turn the tape over to kind of see what you're in yeah. for here. And I do wonder if this is the back we saw as kids because this would be kind of obvious that it is the predator. Yeah. But I don't know. We were like 10 and 9. Dumb. Go ahead and read that synopsis. Yeah, so we flip over the back here, and if you don't know what Predator 2 is about, here is its description. The Predator is back, and this time it's hunting in Los Angeles. It comes from a distant world to hunt people for sport, invisible, and armed with powerful weapons unlike anything we know. It stalks its human quarry mercilessly, leaving mangled corpses in its wake. Last time, it landed in the jungle. This time, it's chosen Los Angeles. 
Ravaged by open warfare between rival drug gangs, L.A. is the perfect killing ground for the Predator, who is drawn to the heat and conflict. When the police find mutilated bodies, Lieutenant Mike Harrigan, Danny Glover, thinks it's the work of the feuding gangs. Then a mysterious government agent, Gary Busey, arrives and orders him to stay off the case. Instead, Harrigan sets out to learn what's really going on and comes face-to-face with the savage alien in a climactic, electrifying confrontation. Co-starring Reuben Blades and featuring superb special effects, Predator 2 is a suspenseful action thriller. Color, 1990. Stereo, 105 minutes. 105 minutes. Feels longer. Feels very much longer. And not like... That's not like a dig on the pacing necessarily of the movie. I just think there's so much fucking going on Mm -hmm. that like it feels like a packed like two hour and ten minute movie or something like that. Like one of the bloated like studio movies that come out today type thing. Yeah, honestly, I would have guessed this was about 140 minutes. Yep. Yep. That's about where I'm. I I would say 130, 140. Yep. That's yeah. right where I'm landing too, but it is not. Also, too, it might be in my head because I did see this a lot on TV, and it it does it, it when it's on TV, it is two and a half hours with commercials. So maybe that's why that's in my head. I don't know, but uh, we, we get we get a couple pictures from the movie on the back. We get uh, Danny Glover with a future gun. We get Gary Busey yelling with a flashlight and a and a gun, and then we also see the Predator uh, standing on a building. Very, it almost looks like Batman the Animated Series, the way he's like posed on the back here. And uh, he's got his giant spear and a skull with the spine still attached. No, I, it's a good thing you bring up Batman, because I think after Tim Burton's two Batmans came out and this came out, um, I, well, I think Batman came out, then Predator 2, then Batman Returns. Right. But I think the first one, they kind of, sort of, tried to mix sci-fi and noir. Because they put heavy shadows on the Predator, and there's no real reason to, because the makeup on the Predator is amazing. Right. And in the first one, they showed it off, and they showed it off in this one. But did you notice all the heavy shadows? Yeah, and like with this one, they like wait a long time to show the Predator again, and it's like we've seen it. Like, and it's and the before we see the Predators, before we see more than just one, and we we only know it's just kind of the one. It's the one we've seen already. So I don't know why they're withholding it so much. Like, we know what it looks like. Like, why does it still have the mask on for so long? Why is it still hidden in shadows? Like, we know. Like, show us the Predator. We know what it looks like. And we haven't, at this point, we hadn't waited that long to see the, it's only had been three years since the first one. I don't know why this movie chooses to, like, hide the Predator for so long. I don't know. I mean, when you do finally see it, it doesn't look as good as it does in the first one. So maybe that's why. No, they slightly changed it. Uh, And they tried to... And this is not me saying this. This is literally from Stan Winston and them. Well, I think the director and the writers, they wanted to give it more of an urban look. Yeah, I mean, it it is like on the toys and stuff like that. It is called like the Hunter Predator as opposed to just like Classic Predator or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what I guess the difference is. But yeah, it does have like a slightly different look. And I think that's what makes it not look as good as the original one. Well, one, he has more talons. Yeah. If you look at his jaw Mm -hmm. and everything when he, you know, Danny Glover eventually removes the helmet. You know, to me, I'm like, okay. And I think it has more markings. 
like it wanted to be tattoos, urban, urban people have tattoos. I mean, that's what they're getting at here. They didn't say that, mm-hmm. but come on. Yeah. So, well, anyway, there's no uh, trailers on this. So when we pop the tape in, we get right into the feature presentation. And now our feature presentation. Yes. I was very disappointed by that. I expected Fox or CBS Fox, whatever this was. It's Fox video, but. I think this was after the CBS Fox thing. This was when yeah, it was they, Fox they split video. up. Yeah. Yeah. So I expected trailers on this, but I'm assuming because this didn't do well in the theater that they're just like, man, just put it out. Yeah, it was it was very strange. And that was another thing that led me to think that this was a super long movie again before watching it. Because it was like, oh, it's like a two-hour movie. Like, they don't want to spend the extra money on tape. But it's like, no, you probably had to pay for two hours of tape. And then you still only have a 105-minute movie. You could have filled that out with some trailers. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think think it's the case of what you're saying. I think it's just like it wasn't a hit. They were like, fuck it. We'll just, we'll sell them these. We'll put these on shelves. People rent it. We'll kind of make some of our money back on the tapes. Whatever. Yeah, I also noticed it came out November 21st, 1990. Doesn't feel like an action movie time period. Yeah, uh, mistake. These are summer movies. Yeah, this There's, is... You got to put these out in summer, I think. Well, not to mention, it's supposed to be during a heat wave in this movie. Yeah, like, <laughs> like coming out in November, even if you're seeing it in Los Angeles, it's not particularly warm, so why... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't understand this choice here. I would even, if I were marketing this, I would push it further than if you're going to do, I would do like a Christmas release then, you know. Well, you, if you're going to do it, do it the exact opposite. Right, yeah. don't, don't, it's either summer or Christmas. That's what this movie is. You don't put it out at Thanksgiving. This isn't a Thanksgiving movie. <laughs> no. Families aren't going to go see this. No. At least when you do it on Christmas, you're doing the counter-programming and people like that. That's what made Scream a success. But like... Doing it on Thanksgiving, yeah, this is that was just a mistake. I think that's one of their first mistakes right there. Or maybe they saw the product and were like, this ain't a summer movie. <laughs> I don't know what they're thinking. I honestly think they saw this movie and said, you know what, just put it out. We don't care. This yeah. isn't gonna this is not what we thought we were buying. Yeah, it, it's just like they're they probably just thought this isn't working immediately. Honestly. Yeah, I I don't blame them. Uh, so it made fifty seven million dollars worldwide, but I think it made close to like thirty nine in the U S. So I mean, it was it was a big big release. So you had Stephen Hopkins coming to do this, and he had already had success with the Nightmare on Elm Street five, the fifth one. I should uh, the Dream Child. Mm-hmm. So and he's a visual guy. He makes movies based on visuals and then fills in the story. Yeah, we talked about him a, a lot when we watched Lost in Space. Also, mm-hmm. uh, one of his movies that I, that I love. Uh, I like Stephen Hopkins as a director. I, I like his visual palette. I like sort of his crazy visuals that he tries to do. Like, I mean, I think of like Nightmare on Elm Street Five. I think of like the the come to life Escher painting where they're going up and down the stairs that are you know somebody's upside down and somebody's right side up. I love that stuff. So I mean, I, I like Hopkins as a director, and I think he was a fun choice for this movie. I just don't think he really gets to flex his muscles that much on this one. Well, I think this movie has a lot of good visuals that clearly I can see that he made up. You know, he's just like the the um, subway one is great visuals. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like uh, the subway. scene makes no sense in my mind, but it's great visuals. And you know, I just think this. I think the script was weak, 
and he's a visual director, and sometimes you smash those together, and it doesn't work. You know, again, I don't know too much, too, too much about behind the scenes. I looked up a little bit of stuff, but I don't know too, too much about behind the scenes. But even though this is three years apart from the original, it still feels very rushed. It's like the first script they got, they were like, good, no rewrites, no need. Let's just do this. (laughs) So what happened was is uh, Jim and John Thompson, which basically have done all of the Predators, you know, like... uh, got writing credits for i don't know how much they've done it i don't really i think didn't they write a script for mario brothers the thomas brothers uh they might have been one of the people that there were so many yeah they might have been one i would believe that all right but um the whole whole point of this is is they they pitched fox six seven eight ideas i don't remember what it was and then finally they're like how about we have the predator go to the city like la and they're like done (laughs) sold and then they're like write this script so they wrote a treatment in three weeks and then they got stephen hopkins to come in to help fill the gaps and then boom we're on yeah i mean i think the concept is fun you know we've seen predator in the jungle now let's see him in the urban jungle it was sort of that thing that got us excited about like alien 3 when they said like it was gonna come to earth you know like it, it it it's a cool concept but I don't think they fully deliver. <laughs> no, I think you need to throw out the whole Colombian Jamaican um, fighting, you know, bullshit turf war, because I think what this originally was probably, you know, like, hey, you know, the cops make good teams. He would probably hunt them down because they're excellent at their job. They're organized like the soldiers. Right. And and then somehow I and I have no idea how the Colombian Jamaican gang war got included in this but it's just fucking useless it's fun as in what the hell are we doing fun well there's the script is so focused on it like they're more i think the filmmakers are more interested in making that movie than the predator movie i agree because i mean we're not i don't think we're gonna take this movie scene by scene here but like (laughs) every scene that happens in this movie seems to be a drug lord scene or drugs versus drug people versus uh cops scene or cop scene something like that that is just punctuated with the predator showing up at the end and killing people this movie is just more interested in telling the story of the rival drug gangs and the cops trying to get them and then they're like well just throw a predator in every now and again to kill some of them yeah that's what it was it's just like first it was the cops versus the colombians and then the predator takes out the colombians then it was the Jamaicans coming to kill the Colombians in that apartment. And then the Predator takes out the Jamaicans with um, the voodoo daddy. I don't yeah. remember what his name was. Uh, and then it's the Predator going to eat. And then the fake CIA team led by Keys, Mr. Busey. Then he takes them out. And he had already taken the cops out during all three of these. And then and you're so like, then he's it's, just like going team to team to team. And then it almost feels like it becomes a different movie when it's just Danny Glover going after him then and going on the ship and everything like that. Like it almost becomes an entirely different movie. It does become a different like it's just like, wait, what? And, <laughs> what are and, we doing? And like at this point in the movie, Danny Glover has nothing left to do. He is just there to be like the audience, to be like what's going on but then the movie just ends and you're like what was the point of that then you know there's like this the stakes are all over the place we don't know necessarily who we're following it doesn't 
And yeah, like I said, every scene is just punctuated with a predator showing up. Yeah, it's almost like, okay, we need a predator every 12 minutes because kids need to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, basically. And I, I mean... Or drunk adults. I mean, yeah. either way. <laughs> whatever. Whatever floats your boat. But yeah, I, I'm just very confused by this choice. And when I say that like I'm very confused by this movie in general, this is what I'm talking about. I understand the plot of the movie. I'm not stupid. But like, I don't understand why there's so much focus or why the filmmakers have more interest in the drug story and the cop story uh, than the predator in a predator movie well did they want to make a robocop movie that's more what this feels like honestly this feels more like a robocop sequel where at the end of every scene predator just shows up yeah let's make a movie that kind of looks like blade runner yeah sort of but feels like the culture of robocop but we've you know got to have a predator in it yeah and uh, yeah, I think I think one of the other things, and I mentioned to you this before we started recording, but I think one of the other things that throws this whole movie off is the fact that it's set in the future, but not very far in the future. Ten fucking years? Are you kidding me? Actually, ten, it, only seven years. From seven when years the movie from when this movie's out. being made. Right, right, right. But which, ten years from the event of the first movie. Right. Ten years from the event of the first movie. Fine, I understand it. But what this movie is confused as to what it wants to do is it's seven years in the future, so it doesn't know if it wants to be futuristic. Or just be timely of today, because obviously it's coming out in 1990, it's around the LA riots and things like that. You could just set this movie in 90 and have it be the urban jungle, and you get your point across very quickly. But the fact that they have some futuristic guns and some futuristic technology, but it still looks very 1990, it's so like half-assed that I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if it's half-assed. I think it's on purpose, and let me explain. There's two ways you usually do a future movie. You either do it, go full, full out, where you have something like Star Wars. I know Star Wars is in a galaxy far, far away, you know, a long time ago. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But let's be honest, it's future. Right. That's fu- it's, it's, okay. it's futuristic it's, when we see it in very, 1977. Yes. It's very future. Yes. They're in spaceships. They're living in space. A fucking Death Star. Yeah. Uh, you know, a moon base. Or you do the Blade Runner future. Where you're like, it's futuristic, but it's like grounded. Right. There's and some reality to it. It's things that are familiar to yeah. us. Well, and I think they did it in Mario Brothers that we yeah. reviewed. Um, I, I don't think it's half-assed. I think it's on purpose. I think people really do gravitate towards the, let's make it futuristic, but let's still make it feel, uh, you know... Like it feels like it could actually happen in a way. Let's yeah. make it comfortable but different. Uh, and I mean, I like that. I like it in Super Mario Brothers. I like it in Blade Runner. What this one does, it just doesn't do enough of the future stuff. It's just like, oh, here's some futuristic technology. Here's one futuristic gun, but everything else oh. is the same. Okay, so and your your half ass is like you didn't go quite far enough. You yeah, need just a little bit more. It's like give me one or the other at that point because mm-hmm. you're really you're not doing enough. To make me think it's the future. It's like I'm I'm watching this movie and it, it I mean the way the movie's shot, the way the movie looks, it's extremely 1990. Oh, it's yeah. very yeah. it is like the 90s threw up on like this movie kicked in the door to the look of the 90s kind of thing. Like this is a 90s movie. But then a futuristic gun shows up, or Gary Busey's messing with something in that their truck where they're tracking it, and it's like futuristic. And I'm like, 
oh yeah, this is 1997. Like I almost forget it's 1997 when I'm watching it because like there's nothing that signifies it's in the future from when this movie was made. Well, yeah, like they stick computers in when they're like reading off uh, Lieutenant Harrigan's like past. They're like, oh, oh, you know, you've you've been hit eight times with penalties and what or whatever they're saying. I'll play it. Lieutenant Michael R. Harrigan, violence prone, obsessive compulsive personality. A history of excessive physical force throughout his 18 years as a Los Angeles police officer, also responsible for the destruction of 11 patrol cars, a city bus. What about 10 commendations for Valor? And the best felony arrest record in the history of this department? Legal actions filed against the department. And my intervention on your behalf for the only reasons you still have a job, Harrigan. See how much I messed that up. But anyway, you know, they're doing that, and you're like, yeah, but. We already had computers in the late 80s and early 90s. You're not, that's not futuristic. Yeah, you're not, I'm not like wowed by any of this. <laughs> no, th- when I, when I actually remembered that this was supposed to be quote unquote the future is when the subway comes and it's like a spaceship looking subway. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right. I forgot. Oh, right. 97. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then also too, then the the obvious thing of like then the movie dates itself too because these things don't come to pass. It like people who have seen this movie in theaters are going to live to ninety seven. You know what I mean? They're going to see ninety seven and be like, oh yeah, none of that happened. You know, like yeah, like the like the futuristic uh, spaceship train. And ninety seven trains look pretty much the same as they did in ninety. You know, <laughs> like yeah, I well uh, yeah, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Um, and they do make a point of letting you know in the future of 1997. I think, isn't there like a, don't they have, there's a trailer that's all like that. Yeah. Okay. It, it's, it's, it's one of their yeah. marketing hooks is like in the future. And it's yeah. like, well, it's, it's pretty much 1990. <laughs> eh, it's not working. I, okay. But you know what? Let's get into the positives of it. There are positives in this film. Absolutely. I do. Overall, I would yeah. say I like this film. I just don't understand this film. <laughs> Here's how I describe it. I think this film is junk, but I'm entertained by it. Yeah, I mean, I watch it. I've seen it a bunch of times. <laughs> like, there's a lot of hard work in this film, but when they throw it all together, it's just like, uh, that looks like mud. <laughs> it's just too much. All that you take, all these bright colors, throw them together, it turns into mud. It's yeah. It's like, blech. Yeah. I mean, one of the positives we kind of mentioned was Stephen Hopkins, like visual mm-hmm. stuff that he brings to this. It may not be as vibrant as Nightmare on Elm Street, but like he's, he's doing some fun stuff here. When Gary Busey and the team or Keys and the team go in and they have all the like radioactive dust falling and they show it through the Predator's vision and then they have the silver suits on, which I think was kind of like to block their heat. Mm mm-hmm. <laughs> That looks but futuristic. He's mm-hmm. like, ooh, silver. Yeah. But when they're going through it, all that visual is cool looking. Yeah. It's a very sci-fi noir look. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do find it hilarious how it's a lot like aliens. Yeah. This, the team goes in and then just gets slaughtered. This is this one definitely looked at aliens, and they were like, Fox was like, how could we recreate that with Predator? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I th- think that's exactly what they did <laughs> in a way. Uh, another one is his futuristic weapons are cool. Yeah. Uh, Predator's weapons are cool. Uh, Danny Glover's gun. 
that he has the the weird one the oh the Han Solo gun kind of looking thing is fun. We should mention all the modded guns in this. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's, but again, it's another kind of missed opportunity for this movie because they don't really focus on it. It's just in passing. It's like oh yeah, I got this, and it's like, eh, but that's kind of cool. Like play up, play up your cool shit. Like that's how you sell this movie. Play yeah. up your cool shit. Well, I feel like a lot of cops would just be using revolvers and stuff. So they're mm. like, this is the future. So they need better weapons with more shit on it. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, handgun? Let's give it a scope. You got a shotgun? Let's saw it off and then make the barrel silver. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, man, so cool. But, yeah, so there there are some other good things. I, I think there's good performances in this. I do like Danny Glover. Not as the lead, but Danny Glover's like in shape. Hey man, he looks good. Yo, he could bust a few heads here. Yeah, uh, he's got some long ass arms, which he always looks funny, like flailing around that gun. Yeah, you're like, don't hit anyone in the head. You're yeah. gonna knock him out. But he's got a hell of a wingspan. He could he could crush a man. <laughs> yeah, and and I do take him, you know, as a serious, uh, no shit type guy. All right, so that's fine. Um, Kevin Peter Hall as the Predator again, like he you know did in the first one. He's awesome. His you know movements. Yeah, he gets it. He gets physical this acting. Yeah. He knows how to play up the things that are highlighted on him. The dreads. He knows how to turn his head really well. Uh, the he knows how to carry his arms when the the spike things are coming off of uh, you know his like his, Wolverine claws are coming yeah. up. He knows how to move his arm. You know he's got a great great physicality. I mean, one thing uh, I would say very positive, I'm I'm not big on Danny Glover in this movie because they don't give him enough to do. I love Danny Glover as an actor, but they don't give yeah. him enough to do. The thing this movie does well is the side characters. Yeah. Gary, Gary Busey's fun to watch as the fucking crazy as keys. He's amazing in this. Um, we get Bill Paxton stealing every scene he's in, as usual. Hamming it up to... And eleven, he I think he hams it up more in this than he does in Aliens. Oh yeah, he's playing he's playing like such a he's got such an energy. He's just a yeah. ball of energy in this. Like it's so watchable. And all of his jokes, I, like they're just so bad. I was laughing at them. The one who's just like, "Hey, my doctor needed a a urine, feces, and um, sperm sample," and I'm like, "Hey, can you just take my underwear and save some time?" You know, <laughs> yeah, whatever he's yeah. doing, and I'm like. Uh, hey, nice flashlight. Can I borrow it? Thanks. Yeah. Like all this just like goofy ass. They're like, hey, can you just do what you did in Aliens? Yeah, basically, but like play it up like you're Pee Wee Herman yeah. in <laughs> Aliens. And it's fun. It's fun to watch. Um, I think Maria Conchito Alonso is really fun in this mm-hmm. uh, as the, uh, I feel like kind of the heart of the movie a little bit. I wouldn't say she's like the sidekick to uh, Danny Glover, but she's in sort of that group. With Ruben Blades and Bill Paxton. She's kind of the heart. And then lest we forget, we mentioned, this has another appearance of our friend Robert Davey. In it. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I have him on my cast list here. Uh, I, was, I was waiting. But uh, Ruben Blades as Detective Danny... Um, Archuleta. Archuleta. Have you heard about the Good Morning America thing where Stephen Hopkins yells at him? No. Yeah, they had to like do a... So live, he was giving an interview, and Stephen Hopkins has talked about it in the future. He's just like, all these actors were constantly giving interviews. I felt bad. I wasn't mad at Ruben. I was mad that, like, I need to shoot this movie, 
And I've got to constantly wait for actors who are giving interviews or going back to their trailers. So he, he yelled at him to get to work on live television. <laughs> but, That's funny. Yeah. I mean, the Fox was probably running the press machine hard. Yeah, they this, were. Knowing that, like, it's Predator 2. We have to get butts in seats. Yeah. Uh, I also liked, it was a very small role. Two of the small roles. Uh, Adam Baldwin, when he came up, I, I always just go, oh, shit. Yeah. Adam Baldwin. Yeah, he looks. He's playing the exact same character he does in X Files in here. <laughs> he's playing the same character. Well, I think the only time he actually gets a chance to really act is in Firefly. Yeah, that's the only time he gets to play ever. He plays this part and everything yeah. else, but Firefly and Serenity. <laughs> like, can you just be a military guy? I guess whatever. <laughs> and then Morton Downey Jr. pops into this as the scummy reporter because he was a scummy reporter. Yeah, what what was he on? Was he like an Inside Edition kind of person or something? <sighs> something I don't know. His show in this one was called Hardcore. This is Tony Pope live from L.A. Sydney up here. The psycho vigilante killer continues his daily diet for murder. Bodies strung out, bodies with the skins ripped off, the hearts torn from the cadavers. And just recently, King Willie, the drug lord, the vicious drug lord, found in an alley just around the corner with his head cut off and his spinal column torn from the body, a fitting demise to the Prince of Powder. He's like the first shitty cable news person. Yeah. In real life. Yeah. And then I don't know what happened to him, but he's basically just Jerry Springer. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what he's doing. And then, yeah, that was, you know, um, so the King Willie character, uh, I hate it and love it at the same time. Yeah. I, I, I am obsessed a little bit with the voodoo posse. I am obsessed a little bit with it. Like, give me that movie. Yeah. I feel like Stephen Hopkins would have done an amazing gang versus gang movie with one of the gangs, the more scary gang, being like a voodoo gang. I want to see that movie. All right. Yeah. yeah I, that's probably what he wanted to make. Yeah, I think so. And I think that, sh I think that shows because King Willie's sort of like look and everything is pretty developed. Like they took time on that. Whereas everybody else, everybody else's kind of look is pretty generic He's got a look. <laughs> yeah. Should I just play the, uh, like him throwing the bones on the trash can to talk to Danny Glover? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Izzy, you on talk to me. Izzy, you offering me favors. Tell me why, Babylon, Mr. Policeman. I want some information. Information hmm. about the one that's doing all the killing, Aya. He killed your people. Now, man, I think you know who he is. <laughs> I want him. <laughs> I don't know who he is, but I know where he is. The other side. What are you talking about? The spirit world, man. You see, it's always the same. There's no stopping what can't be stopped. No killing what can't be killed. Hey, make sense, man. This thing 
that's killing your people and mine is from the other side. I can feel him all around. You can't see the eyes of the demon until him come calling. This is Dreadman. Truly great. I mean, yeah. he's just an airman. Yeah. <laughs> like, just... Oh, and I, and I love how it's Jamaican voodoo because, you know, most of the time you think of voodoo, you think of Haitian. Haitian, Haitian. yeah. But, I mean, there was Jamaican voodoo, obviously. They're, you know, so close. And <laughs> it's, at least they didn't go with, like, Dominican Republic voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. I don't yeah. know. I... I... That's one of like the things I fixated on in this movie, though, was the the voodoo gang. <laughs> well, I kind of just rolled my eyes because, like, <laughs> well, the Colombian drug lords. I'm like, well, okay, L.A. I get it. Yeah, like, I mean, I that's my, okay. that's a given at this time. But I thought the Jamaican like mafia. I was like, huh, that's that's a choice. That's a choice. Yeah. <laughs> what's the uh, What's the Steven Seagal movie that has the voodoo? I think it came out the exact same year or is right it, after is it, it. Is it hard to kill? Is that the is one? Is that it? Or is Is there a different one that has? Oh fuck! I'm not a big Seagal person, but I've seen some of the movies. No, I I watch Steven Seagal movies to laugh at them. Yeah, I'm. I mean, the early ones are fucking awesome. Yeah. In like not like a great movie way, but like in just like a, a trash junk food. Trash sort. action. Yeah, it's it's McDonald's. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's McNugget movies, and they're they're wonderful. <laughs> you're not but, proud watching them, but you're also satisfied at the same time. Oh yeah, it, do, it like <laughs> scratches the itch for sure. Um, yeah, there's there's one of those Steven Seagal movies where the villain is like a voodoo, Haitian voodoo. Uh, gang leader, and I'm also obsessed with that character as well. <laughs> I just think you have a thing for voodoo. I think I'm gonna make a movie with that's just like the villains are gonna be a voodoo gang. It has to. I think I have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Start writing that treatment. Give me a log line first. Yeah, and then, then a treatment, <laughs> and then I'll work on it. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So more into this. Uh, how about how big all the jackets and pants are? <laughs> I think it's just the product of 1990. <laughs> oh my gosh, they're huge, and the hats. Like when Danny Glover's walking around in that, like almost like he's in New Orleans with that little uh, fedora on. Yeah. Uh, I don't the fashions, but I think that's just how people looked. I mean, I don't. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't uh, you know, I aware was of my man. surroundings in 1990. But like, I I feel like that's how I just kind of remember things from my earliest memories. We all kind of looked like that, and we all kind of looked stupid. <laughs> I, I was eight, so my mom was still dressing me, and you know, in like suspenders. Yeah. Just, <laughs> which I have a picture of that. Maybe I should post that one day. It's amazing. Yeah, do it for sure. So uh, okay. The Colombians get killed on a cocaine-fueled craziness. And then, like, all these detectives are trying to figure this out. I Were they trying... To, this is a detective movie. Because they're, like, putting together all the... It wants to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. God, it's, like, three different movies. Four different movies. Yes. Maybe five. That's why it's so hard to talk about this. Because when I start thinking, my head just explodes into, like, eight different directions. And my mouth goes... Blah, 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 blah. You've got... The Danny Glover cop story. You've got the Keys government coming in story. You've got the gang war story. You've got each of the gang stories. Like, 
And then their predator fucking shows up. <laughs> and then we're on the predator spaceship at the end for some reason. And then we've got a police station that's like RoboCop. Right. Exactly out of RoboCop. You like they walk in and everything's crazy. It's just like phone calls everywhere. No one's picking it up. There's fucking gangsters coming in, getting arrested. I, I wish Red would have been like, like just spit on a piece of paper and been right. like, yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like my image movies have taught me that the era from 1987 through like 1991 all look like this. <laughs> like, I just imagine the world look like RoboCop. Total Recall, Die Hard, this movie. Like, just that era, of that smattering of movies, that's what I picture the world looking like. Yeah, and Total Recall was 91? 90. 90? Oh, it's the same. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah Total Recall came out. That's why this didn't do good. They had Total Recall already. We didn't need this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you. Yeah, man. It's tough going up against Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. Especially in that time period where he was just, like, gold. On top of the world. Yeah, and you wanted to compete with him when he came out with Showgirls, then you would have won. <laughs> Showgirls is kind of a trash masterpiece, though. <laughs> yeah, there but... is no, there's no competing with Showgirls. <laughs> Not on a, a different level, yeah, though, yeah, for it's... sure. Oh no, I got to get that out of my mind. Um, let's turn this around to uh, the f- okay. So when this becomes a different movie, and Danny Glover's chasing the predator, and he cuts off his arm. <laughs> Why did this become a semi-comedy? Like with the the old woman coming out, she's like, I don't think he gives a shit. You know, it's like, and then at a certain point, like a little bit before that, the subway where all the people pull out guns and it's like trying to say something on gun culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I feel like it is, it's something of these kind of movies, like these big blockbuster movies, they have to have a certain level of comedy with the action, with the horror, with the sci-fi. They have to have it all. And I feel like they almost like forgot to do the humor part. And then they were like, jam it all in at the end. (laughs) Jam it all in in the last 45 minutes. (laughs) So I actually heard Stephen Hopkins talk about this uh, when he was older. I think he did an interview, uh, you know, 2002 or whatever. Um, and he's like, okay, my big mistake with this movie is I tried to do too much. Yes. And I was like, no shit. (laughs) Everybody, the writers did too much. He did too much. It's, it's too bloated of a movie. (laughs) Yeah. And he says when he goes back and rewatch, he has a really hard time rewatching this one because he's like, I'm trying to do, you know, I'm trying to say something about the environment with the extreme heat. Mm -hmm. Like that's on purpose in the smog, the LA smog. Everyone knew about that. Yeah. Uh, and then he was trying to do something on gun culture. He was trying to do an alien predator movie and he was trying to do, um, street warfare because gangs were so prominent in LA at this time period. Um, so when was the LA riots? That was around this time. I don't remember. I think it was after, but like, you know, police and all the gangs and everything in there, it was, it was a hotbed. Yeah. And people were just, I think there was all, there were so many um, gangs versus police movies at the time period. Yeah, it was ripped from the headlines. Yeah. That's what was happening, yeah. And, you know, it's 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 easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. A lot of them are fantastic. I have no problem with art imitating life or life imitating art, whichever way that goes. But uh, he even said it. It was just like, it was just really easy to do at the time. Yeah, and... 
I think that's what the movie does get caught up in. It gets caught up in too many ideas and doesn't fully deliver on any one. And I think that's that's the issue. Well, here's my big thing with it. I know who the enemy is supposed to be. Right. But when I rewatched the movie, I was like, who who's our main antagonist here? Is it Keys? Is it the Predator? Is it Big Willie or whatever his King name Willie. is? King Willie? Is it the Colombian drug? Who the, who are we? What? Yeah, who's the villain here? Yeah. Is, it, is it environment? Is it global? Yeah, is it just global warming? <laughs> is it climate change? Um, I think and I think that's that's another sort of just the the thing that makes us confused when we watch this movie is the fact that there's no stakes because we don't know who the villain is. So it's like, yeah, everything is at stake because there's stuff going on all the time, but we don't know what's really at stake because we don't know who the main threat is. Because they're all threats. Everything's a threat. <laughs> yeah. And the reason the first one works so well is two things. One, it knew what kind of movie it was. Two, it was simple. Yep. All right. It came in. It did turn you on your head. You came in. You're like, okay, alpha males coming to take care of the bad guys in the jungle. Uh-oh. Turns out the, you know, the coin's been flipped. They're no longer the alphas. The predator is. You know, it's just. It's goofy. It was fun. It was awesome. It was manly. It was full of testosterone. All of us were like, well, maybe I, I heard you because you weren't exactly a huge Predator fan growing up. Yeah, it's like, to me, it's like, I like Predator. I enjoy that movie. It's just never been one of my favorites. I have nothing bad to say about Predator. I've just never had sort of, I feel like 80s kids have that hook obsession. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm a 90s kid. You know, I'm obsessed with shit like The Mask and like, you know, like Jim Carrey movies in general. Like, that's my hook. But like, I think 80s kids were hooked on like mm-hmm. uh, Predator and Die Hard and things like that. Uh, I had RoboCop, but that's because RoboCop 3 came out when I was a kid and it was marketed to me. You know, so I still feel a connection to RoboCop. But like, uh, I didn't see Die Hard until I was 18. You know, I just missed the 80s wave, kind of. So uh, that's why I've just never been obsessed with Predator. No, it's your. It's when you grow up. I I always understand that. It's just like the first time you told me that, I was like, "What?" Yeah, it's. I think I mentioned it in the Goonies episode. I just didn't grow up with it, so it's not something that I like hold dear like some people do. But I, you know, I grew up with different shit, so. And that's why you're a horrible person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you grew up in the '90s where everything was wacky. Yeah, I, I my. My sort of brand is like New Line and Full Moon. That's what I grew up with. <laughs> that's, that's totally cool because, you know, this is the New Line podcast. Yeah, this is the New Line podcast, and we're just taking a break this yeah. week to talk about Predator 2. We're going on a mini vacay, <laughs> talking Fox. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, you want to know some really weird things in this. So Arnold was supposed to be in this movie. They wrote a character for him, and it basically turned into Keys. But Arnold, because he was doing probably Total Recall, I don't remember. Or everything else or at the everything. time. <laughs> he might have been doing Terminator 2. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, probably Terminator 2. So, like, the schedule didn't work out. But honestly, Stephen Hopkins also said the money wasn't there. They weren't going to pay him what he wanted and what he deserved. Because you put Arnold in a movie, he's just like, okay, it'll make money. Done. Yeah. Did, you, did you know that similarly, though... Uh, predators that was supposed to be danny glover and not Lawrence fishburne that they find on the ship in the i had heard that. why why did they i don't think he want i don't think danny glover wanted to do it i don't think okay. he was interested right. in it i think 
and and Fishburne actually, I remember reading was really interested in it. He like really wanted uh, to do that part, which yeah, he's having fun in that yeah, movie. You can tell. I mean, he's committed. Yeah, he but, made some choices. <laughs> yeah, I think in I think in Rodriguez's original script, uh, I think it's supposed to be Danny Glover in that. Uh. Well, yeah, they ended up having to change it, um, and the only the reason Gary Busey's in this is because the producers of Lethal Weapon, yeah, wanted because at first they wanted Steven Seagal to play um, Harrigan, but Steven Seagal read it and he's like, I don't get the script. <laughs> Me so, neither, Steven. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> so it was like the first time when I'm like, I think I fully agree with Steven Seagal. <laughs> I'm like, it's got to be the first time ever. Um, He's luckily trying to save us from Russia or, you know, like whatever that is. Or, to, yeah, mend the ties that bind with her. I don't know. He's fucking lost his mind. <laughs> yeah, we've got Dennis Rodman and Steven Seagal out there in the East. Yeah, they're going to save us, guys. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, back to a movie that's actually less crazy than them. Uh, so he read it and he didn't get it. Danny Glover was brought in and they thought it was... You know, really interesting going from like, you know, a white leading man to a black leading man. Mm-hmm. But it had to go even farther because most of the cast in this are not white. Yeah. Did you notice that? Well, it's L.A. I, I would hope. It, yeah, yeah I, w- I would hope not. <laughs> no, because so many movies we do is led by almost an all white cast. It's true. Yeah. A lot of the nerd movies are what, you know, white nerd movies. <laughs> there's not, yeah. there's not a lot of culturally diverse yeah. nerd movies, unfortunately. Like, and the minor- this one is. And minorities are bad guys. Now in this movie, they are, but it's also a minority led cast. So you're like, I guess that balances out. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, th- I think this movie is just trying to show how diverse LA is. Yeah. And I think that's why you've got, you know, Hispanic, black, white, uh, whatever the fuck uh, Bill Paxton's doing in the movie, you know, like I, <laughs> I think he's another alien. Yeah, he's another alien. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I, I think I think um, I think being a culturally diverse kind of nerd movie's interesting. I just wish it was a better movie. <laughs> I did a super cut of the kid yelling in Surviving the Game. I think I'm gonna do another super cut right here of Bill Paxton. And all you gotta do is tee it hot and let it fly. Perfect. Now remember for distance, you gotta gently but firmly grip the club. Lieutenant Harrigan! Detective Harrigan! Hey kid, hey kid, just have a seat, I'll be right with you. So me and my partner bolt up because there's somebody is screaming bloody murder. You you gotta hear this, you gotta hear this. Hey, hey, I forgot to tell you. See that guy there? That's Ferris replacement. This guy's Jerry Lambert. The Lone Ranger from Rampart Station. That's the wrong ranger? Yeah, I thought he was here to fix the air conditioning. <laughs> said, lady, you are under arrest. And she said, why? I said, because your husband is dead. You killed him. And you know what she said without missing a beat? Uh, no. She said, I stabbed that son of a bitch plenty of times. He never died on me before. <laughs> so I go in for my physical, right? And the doctor says, I need a semen, stool, and urine sample. I say, gee, doc, I'm in a big hurry. Can I just leave my underwear? <laughs> just everything he says. <laughs> yeah, just fucking crazy. But let's get to the star of December. Let's get to Gary Busey's Lions, Tires, and Bears Oh My speech. Yes. Which is in the trailer. Yeah. It's, it's, they knew they had something with that. Harrigan. 
Don't you show up in the damnedest places. Come here, Lieutenant. I got something you might find interesting. What is this? How many times do I have to tell you? You don't know what you're dealing with. There's your killer. Wonderful, isn't it? Pheromone signature left by his body. These are scent molecules. How'd you three? Ten years ago, one of his kind stalked and eliminated an elite special forces crew in Central America. There were two survivors. They indicated that when trapped, the creature activated a self-destruct device that destroyed enough rainforest to cover 300 city blocks. Remarkable weaponry. That's right, Lieutenant. Other world life forms. Huh? A fucking alien. Iwo Jima, Cambodia, Beirut, drawn by heat and conflict. He's on safari. Lions, the tigers, the bears. Oh, my. Oh, Gary Busey in the behind-the-scenes featurette that both of you and I have watched. Wow. Yeah, maybe you should post this, like a link to it, because it's on YouTube, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, post a link to that so people could see it. And it's like it's like 25 minutes. It's fun. It's like a fun watch if you want to like reminisce on Predator 2. But if you don't, you could just fast forward to the Gary Busey parts in there. Out of control. <laughs> Doesn't he go up to... <sighs> he goes up to uh, Maria Cachito Alonso. Yeah, that's point. right. And doesn't and, she and tell she, him to be quiet? Yeah, and he's like... He's just talking about how much she loves onions. It's like something he's fixated on with her. And he's like, get her, get her some onions. She loves onions. And it's just like, and he's like, I get along with her because I love onions too. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> this is this is immediate after the accident, Busey. Yeah. This is, I, we think it might be his first movie back from the accident. I think I read that somewhere. Um I don't know if it's the first movie released after the accident, but I think it's the first movie that he came back out of many retirement retirement so. slash I kind of died. Yeah. For people who don't know, he got in a motorcycle accident where he actually died for a while and yeah. they brought him back and they brought him back to be the Gary Busey we know today, <laughs> yeah. which is more just sort of the crazy Gary Busey, which we love it. We love him yeah. still. He's still a beloved actor, but he, he sort of is a different person from pre-accident to post-accident. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no doubt. I, I've read about it, too. Does Busey have a book out? Yes. Yes. Oh, man. He was just advertising it on Twitter, uh, like, yesterday. Because, of course, I follow him on Twitter. Yeah. That's got to be interesting. Because he said one time in, like, the 90s, I think it was 96, 97, he did so much coke that his heart stopped. Yeah. And did so I'm and I'm curious, did he get I don't know if you know this offhand and we don't do research here. Um but well, we did, do, but it's half ass. Yeah, it's like Predator and its future stuff. Um <laughs> did uh did he get like addicted to painkillers or something after the accident that like led to the the overcoking? Because obviously he's coked up in the eighties, but he's a functional cokehead in the eighties. He's almost over the line yeah, in the nineties. So I wonder if it was morphine. Maybe. Something I, changed him. Yeah, basically. Well, I mean, he had brain damage after the accident, and then he got heavy into drug. Yeah, drug use. So it, it's... it isn't so much the brain damage; it's the drug use that. Oh is yeah, apparent. on the featurette, it's definitely like <laughs> it's he definitely is the coke. fucking bumping lines, probably like every thirty minutes in that film. Yeah, 
It's it's insane. And it comes through in the performance, too. He's pretty unhinged in this movie. Yeah, there's. I, I don't know how they got him to like hold it together because it feels like he's about to burst out of his own skin in a few scenes <laughs> yes. where I'm like, he is... Okay, they somehow... I don't know if there's like a bag of cocaine just out of the screen and it's like a carrot. They're like, if you keep this together and say your lines, you get some... You know, you get a little line. Uh, Sorry, sorry, Busey family. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm curious if, you know, obviously Gary Busey was heavily on drugs and then Joel Silver is one of the producers and I just imagine he's, you know, being the producer of Lethal Weapon and every big action movie from the late 80s, early 90s. I'm imagining there's a lot of coke on set in general. (laughs) Yeah. Joel Silver had an entire, all of his producers, like his entire producing team because he had a team of producers, right? It was him and I... It's Lawrence Gordon and John Davis. Yeah, and they they fucking made some movies. Yeah. They made made action movies. They made, they made the defining action movies of the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Um, and I, I imagine they do a lot of coke. I think we've said this before, but I'd love to do an entire episode just on Joel Silver. Yeah. Because he's, I mean, him, Jerry Bruckheimer, uh, you know, Tony Scott. There's yeah. like a few people of the 80s and transition into the 90s where you're just like, what they did, with, like the movies they made were crazy, but their life stories are fucking crazy yeah like it's just asterisks next to it they're like you know you're just not gonna believe the stories that come out of here and as far as i know none of them are like horrible people they're just crazy yeah i don't i don't think there's been any like horror stories that have come out about like any of these people it's just no i think these are the type of people that hurt themselves yes exactly they're just you know uh live fast die young you know Sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle. Yeah. Not not like Harvey Weinstein gross lifestyle. Like it's uh I think that's what it is, but I mean it's it's totally the through line. I mean, we had like you were saying, we had like Joel Silver, which led to sort of the Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer, which led to the Michael Bays of today. Like it's sort of all a streamline yeah, that all started all started with cocaine. Joel Silver. <laughs> <laughs> cocaine, lethal weapon, and led us all the way to Transformers. Like <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, what a stream of fucking crazy. Yeah. Except I'm not much of a Michael Bay crazy, but I do like that he is crazy. I'm obsessed with Michael Bay. I know I'm you are. Obsessed. I don't get it. Like, I don't love necessarily the movies, but I'm just obsessed with the insanity. Like, the last Transformers movie doesn't even make any sense in a very almost confrontational way. You're watching the movie, and it's begging you to question why it doesn't make sense. It's like, yeah, we don't make sense. Fuck you. You paid for a ticket. Like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> Still haven't seen it. <laughs> I didn't even finish the extinction one. I got like an hour in and I said, oh, fucking done. And you had still three more hours left to go and you were like, I'm I'm good. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, we've talked enough about this. Uh, Let's get into what's going in the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. It belongs in a museum. So do you. Okay. All right, this is the part of the show where we go out like Indy and we grab something to bring it back, good or bad. What are we displaying in the very Busey Christmas part of our museum? Um, mine, yeah. mine has nothing to do with Gary Busey, but it is the ultimate nerd moment in the movie when the Predator 
puts the uh, skull on his museum and you see the alien skull. Of course, it's the fan service moment, but it works so well in this movie. Yeah, I can't remember what they say in the featurette, or maybe it was the um, like the making of the Predator's like makeup. One of the featurettes they have in the DVD collection I have, I can't remember, but there's some type of link between aliens and Predator. Yeah, it's I, like a very it's the it's the skull of not the oh, original alien. It's the skull of like the the fighter aliens from Aliens. Is it because Stan Winston did Aliens? Yeah, probably. That's probably the link yeah. right there. Yeah. But so. like, yeah, it's in this was right before sort of the comic books and the games and the toys of Alien versus Predator came out. This is like right before it sort of paved the way. So like that was coming. And then we were excited that maybe a movie of that was coming at some point, which we didn't get for another 14 years. But it was a it was a good ignition for well, that. Well, I think Dark Horse, the reason it really started, obviously the skull that was in this, but Dark Horse Comics got the licensing to both of them, mm-hmm. and then you know created an Alien versus Predator comic book line that was extremely popular. I had them all. I loved them. I had the toys. I didn't have the comic yeah. books, but I had the toys of the Alien versus Predator stuff. Well, they were cool. They were coming out with Aliens had its toy line. Predator had its toy line then you had alien 3 had that big toy line too that they pushed that's what i had all of yeah and aliens versus predator toy line it was nuts yeah i i definitely caught that mid 90s wave of the toys which was like alien 3 predator 2 and the versus toys i was obsessed with those for a minute yeah do you think there was a predator 2 toy line i don't think there what I don't think it was a, it was a Predator line, but it was after this movie. It was after the movie. Yeah, so it was yeah. it wasn't like necessarily Predator Two branded, but it was yeah. after this movie, and it was just Predator stuff. Right. The dreaded beast versus the savage hunter, aliens versus Predator, with awesome new Predators. Clan leader attacks with whipping dreadlocks, and Stalker, glowing in the dark, fires his spear. Suddenly, clipping up his attack spikes, the wild boar alien charges, and the ferocious mother alien in her monstrous hive tracks Spike Tail, then covers him in ooze. Ooze! Who will survive? Aliens versus Predator. Queen Hive playset comes with mother alien figure and ooze, other figures sold separately. There was no Danny Glover or Gary Busey toys because I would have them if there were. Oh, <laughs> actually, I, I'm gonna eat my words. There might be a Keys I, toy out there actually somewhere. <laughs> God, I, I, you know, if if there is a movie God out there, please, please <laughs> let someone have made a Keys <laughs> toy. <laughs> um, uh, and it just comes with like a little bag of cocaine. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so my uh, part of the museum because this podcast was all over the place just like the movie yes we we had to we had to scatter it around to figure we had to put all the puzzle pieces out on the floor and just pick them up one by one (laughs) so spoiler here the predator dies at the end yes uh and he doesn't uh destroy the city whatever how many they said they would would destroy 80 blocks his atomic bomb in his wrist or whatever they say so he kills him and then a bunch of predators come out in the elder predator um and they throw him a gun and the gun is actually an old pirate that fought back-to-back with the Predator in the comics, which I thought was silly. Uh, and I thought about putting that in the museum because I'm like, oh, it's got a link to the comics that I read. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go with this. So Danny Glover was a huge fan of the Lakers. And he would go to their games when they were in town while filming this. 
And so he asked him, he's like, hey, you know, we need a bunch of lean, tall men to play Predators. Do you want to come to Stan Winston's studio and be dressed up as Predators? And they're like, yep. (laughs) So the three or four Predators behind the Elder Predator, because the Elder Predator is still played by um, Kevin Peter Hall, but the other ones behind him, yeah, those are Lakers. That is hilarious. (laughs) Hilarious. <laughs> Playing basketball at night, filming Predators 2 during the day. Oh, man. Well, and probably just doing mountains of cocaine. <laughs> Why not? Because it's 1990 and you're famous. <laughs> yeah. This can never kill us. We're in mortal <laughs> forever. <laughs> 1998. Oops. Oops. <laughs> oh, that's a good. No, that's a good museum pick because it's just weird. And wonderful, I know. and wonderful. And they and they were so like Stan Winston and Danny Glover were like so proud to tell the story. Like in the featurette, they cut from Danny saying some Danny Glover saying Danny, you know, he's my best friend now. Yeah, we hang um, out. And it cuts back and forth to them talking about it, and I'm like, this is just this is amazing. <laughs> um, what did you think about? I mean, I love the weapons on this, but. The spear wasn't in the first one. I never realized that the first time they had the spear was in this. Yeah, it's iconic. I mean, it's part of the canon now of uh, Predator. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 a cool spear. It's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty intense looking. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome how it like you know like collapses within itself. Yeah, to it's, save space. It's the precursor to the Darth Maul lightsaber. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, uh-huh. No, it's pretty cool. I like God. it. I like the spear. I like the weapons in this movie. I just wish we got to see more of them. Yeah, I wish this movie was most, mostly about the Predator. <laughs> yeah, I wish this was a Predator movie or, or just a criminal story. One or the other. Mixing them both doesn't work out. Not a good cocktail. <laughs> How about we try one of them? <laughs> All right, next week. Oh, Let's let's give the gift. Let's give the gift of Boosie. Here we is, go. This is this is coming to me here now. So I'm gonna open open it, my Christmas present it, here. It's wrapped in a golf magazine um, combination here that yeah. I uh, like. I didn't want to waste paper. And here we go. The reveal. We are looking at. The Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Which it's, looks like a yeah. young Gary Busey. It is a very... This. It's it's pre-motorcycle uh, accident, Gary Busey. We're, I've never seen this. Uh, neither have I. Uh, <laughs> so this should be interesting, but he's very intense on the front. Yes. Uh, it's a very interesting cover, but I'll talk about it when we get to that episode. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I found this one. This should be fun to talk about. Eye of the Tiger, guys. So uh, if you're listening to this the week it airs, you got some work to do to find this one and watch this. Yeah, uh, Shout Factory put out, like, many years ago, put out, like, a four combo for this. Oh, okay. So, so you can't find it on YouTube for free? Which you think this would be one on YouTube, <laughs> but it's not. Uh, Shout Factory got the license to it, and they probably you know put the kibosh to that. Yeah. So, but uh, those four sets are usually like six bucks a piece. So you've got a week to order it, and Prime will get it to you in a day. So <laughs> Amazon's literally outside your house. <laughs> They're quick. waiting for you to click that buy yeah. button, and then, and then you just hear the doorbell. <laughs> yep, that's next. That's Damn what's it, happening. Amazon, get out of my house. Get out of my life, Amazon. But thank you. But thank you for your speedy <laughs> delivery service. Just don't come in my house. 
All right, as usual, go ahead and rate, review us on iTunes. Subscribe if you want it to pop up in your little iTunes app. Uh, you can also do that with Google Play, uh, our YouTube page, which you'll see a few of the cuts that will get copyrighted immediately from Predator 2. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll put them up until they take them down. <laughs> well, I'm not monetizing them, so they won't. Oh, okay. It's not like I'm putting up the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, and then, uh, yeah, just whatever you get your uh, podcast on, just go ahead, listen to us. We love it. Yeah, thank you for subscribing and listening and sharing this, but keep it up. We want to keep getting the word out about VHS. That's what this is all about. It's about nostalgia and VHS, and we love the sort of VHS culture. So if you're interested in the old things and nostalgia, share it with your nostalgia-loving friends. That's right. And thank you for all the emails for the listeners submitted month of January. We have a shit ton of movies. Yes. You can still send us emails. We're going to read them all off because we got a decent amount. Yeah. Or at least we're going to read the best ones off. Yeah. I, I know one that I want to talk about yeah. when we get to it. Uh, yeah. Thank you for the emails. Uh, I have responded to all of them. Uh, if you responded to my response, though, I haven't gotten to those yet. Um, but I did respond to them and I appreciate uh, the lists uh we we sifted through and i think we found some good stuff to talk to you next month about all right and remember to be kind and rewind mr paris set a course set a course Set a course for the unstoppable Jack and Jen podcasting the impossible Star Trek Voyager being the material Wine is the vehicle just like milk for your cereal Here we go blasting to the Delta Quadrant Uncharted territory but we're on it Support me another glass of Cabernet Cause it pairs with a different parts of the galaxy Never in my life was a crew so brave Never was a time that I liked rosé But you learn something new each and every day To explore new things is a Starfleet way Podcast hailing from the Geekscape Nation Talking Star Trek with the wine persuasion So you wanna live long and prosper fine Then you better tune in to Seven of Wine And this is Seven of Wine Where we review an episode of Star Trek Voyager And a bottle of wine